0: Warning, the following show is intended for mature audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode of Coffee with the John. There, oh, I make the mm. weird face, huh? You do make the weird face. Like, what
1: would you just do? What was that?
0: Nobody saw it. Nope. Okay. So... <laughs> just because you control the camera angle.
1: Ooh, <laughs> Mr. I'm God over here.
0: I feel it does feel like it, you know. I think you know if God was down here, he would look be like, "Yeah, that's pretty close." Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Um, so we have uh, give you a little bit of a rundown before we get going on a few things that have been going on with us. Is a new Crazy episode stuff. of Tips from the Pros is going to be released next week. I had a really cool talk with um an investor out of Utah that he has a whole business buying rental properties in Ohio and Cleveland. And the most interesting part is how he's put the team together to be able to buy all these rentals without ever having to go there and do it. But yeah, I remember you talking about the,
1: like, talking to the guy like he just, he's only been to Ohio like maybe yeah, a couple times.
0: And yeah, and he's, he's getting it done. He's using his own capital and everything, using the burst strategy. So we talked about that. We talked about how he put the team together. How each member has their own bias, so they kind of like control each other. It, it was pretty cool. I at the, like the strategy. It's definitely something that we're gonna implement because, I mean, looking at scale and everything, it's it's the only thing that makes sense of working. The next thing is uh, March twentieth. It's a Saturday, ten a.m. We're doing another workshop for wholesaling, and this one we're gonna just. We're pretty much going to cover everything that's uh, holding a lot of people back from getting deals right now, because we started doing our own marketing and everything And uh, since, what, January, and we have four four deals lined up. We we bought a lot. We bought another property. Buying one today. We're buying one today. So, I mean, it it works. So, we're going to be sharing all that on the workshop, March 20th. So if you know anybody that's uh, in wholesaling or looking to get into it, uh, let them know. And that one, you just go to wholesalingtherightway.com and you can sign up for the workshop there. Uh, Also, just check it out. I'll put a link below after this. And last thing is the market update. So we released the market update last week. About almost two weeks ago. No, last week. Well, we're on the 12th. I don't know. But I mean, the market is nuts. It is nuts. And that's something that I wanted to touch on real quick. Like we have, I've been talking to a seller and I've been trying to buy that house for a while now, but she's waiting for her daughter who lives in the house to be able to buy her house, move out of there, and then we can go ahead and buy it. So, um, you know, big motivation on our end to (laughs) try to get them a house. And they're looking in the mid 300s in San Antonio. And they can't find anything. It they sounds can't. like it's, they're not too picky either. No, they're not too picky. They're submitting offers. And submitting offers, at, I believe he told me, like 20, 25 over ask. And they're still not getting them. Yeah. Like, there's just, I mean, and, and when I told you, you're like, that doesn't sound right. I was like, it doesn't sound right to me either. In the mid to high 300s, like, I don't know. I just didn't, don't see San Antonio that way. You know, that expensive being that much in the band. And you started... What you ran some uh, uh, data oh yesterday, goodness, just, yeah, to I just look pulled, at it. like a
1: big swath of like all up and down 281, this big square. And yeah, it was just, I mean, active option, active option, active option, pending, pending, active option, one new or and it just like it was insane. Yeah. We're like, like, holy crap. And uh, I feel I, like it, I feel bad for anybody that's like wanting to buy a house right now, especially if they have like if they're trying to get like an FHA financing, putting the minimum amount down. Like, yeah, you can ask whatever you want over asking price. But if you have FHA financing, and not the cash to cover the difference, like you're, you're not going to, you're going to get beat out every time by a conventional buyer. Okay. Or like, if you have little money and you're trying to buy a house
0: right now, like, that will be very well, difficult. It, and what's the biggest issue is that we are seeing more and more buyers coming in from California and they're coming in with, oh, yeah. they're coming in also with that mentality of overpaying for real estate of you know submitting offers with no contingencies with no option periods with you know which in my opinion i get the market is hot but i still don't think i could buy a house with no option period you know what i mean something that you just you're not i mean what do you lose you lose your deposit right your Your, money
1: your earnest money what do you think about if you're selling house in california pocketing 100 150 grand
0: to lose 2500 bucks to guarantee that you're going to get that house? I guess so. Hey, well, I'm not talking about people in California. I'm talking about people here. And I mean, it gets to a point where it's like, you know, it's it's a house. Well, I mean, like, you you got to evaluate. Well, you got to yeah, make sure that you, you're not buying a... Well, it's uh, also
1: you're in real estate. We're in real estate. So we yeah. we, see, we understand the risk. Yeah. When a homeowner is like, I just need a house. I'm getting beat all the time. Screw it, I'll go with no option. Especially if they're like a conventional buyer and they have... 30, 40, 50, 60 grand, like in the pocket that they're using for money like this, oh. to lose three grand, but to beat out to get that offer, uh, that's why they're doing it. i like, like that. that they're, they're that desperate to get something. And I doubt it's like a lot of people in San Antonio trying to move within San Antonio. Yeah. It's a lot of the majority of it's people coming to San Antonio that are really driving up prices. And uh, you have our people like that we just talked about that are needing a property, but uh, yeah. they're getting. That's the difficulty a lot of people here have in San Antonio because San Antonio is an FHA VA, no money down city. So these people don't have a lot of cash. A lot of things we're like the wave a contingency on $3,000, $3,500. Like that's a substantial portion of their cash. They saved up to buy the house.
0: Well, or I mean, like if they
1: lose out on that, it's like, well, now I can't even buy this house or I'm forced to buy this house.
0: Even yesterday that we were, uh, we got a marketing call, um, from, you know a potential seller or so we thought and it turned out that she was like no i'm not looking to sell i'm looking to buy so i was like okay so I'm talking to her after a while she's getting divorced she's giving the house back to her husband for him to have it he's giving her some money in return for that and she wants to buy a house I'm like all right cool She's like yeah nothing crazy something around 200 grand and in the next month or so i'm like uh yeah, you're kind of out of luck here. She's like, anything with some financing, you know, something that I don't have to put too much down. I was like, you and everybody else, you know? And it's just like, yeah. I mean, it's it's just gotten so hot, so crazy. Well, I know like some realtors, like they won't
1: even bother. Like if it's under 200 grand, I'm not even gonna mess with it. It's like because it's so competitive and takes so as, much as work. As far as what like representing as, buyers, wow. like if they're like any form of established, yeah, uh, realtor, like dude, I'm not even gonna compete with that because you will spend so much time trying to fight to get that house going to showings, like being out there every day. To like if they, they're having a hard time, to like I'd rather just work on my to do list and focus on more higher end properties that they're because they can. They're no matter what price range, under three hundred, three hundred and fifty thousand, it's the same level of competition, yeah. but at least that way they have a bigger paycheck to make the dollar value of the time worth it. So
0: yeah. And then and we're seeing on the investing side, we're seeing it just keeps getting worse and worse with all these wholesalers just selling garbage, you know, because they can. Yeah. Because there's a buyer market for it. And Yes, in in a sense, uh, coming from a wholesaler mentality, I think it's uh, it's shitty from a wholesaler. But at the same time, it's like, well, everybody is literally doing the same thing, and if you don't, you're not gonna make any money.
1: You're, you're not gonna be able to survive. So it's, it's like, like a, a, it, you have to. The thing we've always talked about, like you almost have to take that risk spectrum and go into that realm because if you don't that's what the market's used to and that's where you that's where it shifted to right now or like you have to do it and if you want to make money and want to survive in the current market
0: why don't you talk about the the property you went to see yesterday that was nuts
1: Whoa. so it was a marketing lead we went and looked at and <laughs> it was crazy it's like it's the worst foundation i've ever seen uh which is crazy because we worked on a lot of foundations and i was on my phone walking in the front door looking down and i took one step in the house and i was just like What the hell? And I look at the floor and I'm like, oh my God. Like you can just see the floor just drop immediately like four inches in the first like two foot of walking in the house. And you start looking around in the thing and you realize like this hole is, it's a bowl. Like, from the exterior of the house to the center of the house, there was. Pro- I'm going to guess there's probably at least eight, nine, ten inches of drop yeah. to the point where the walls had lifted up off of the foundation to where I could stick my hand underneath the wall into the room next door. You could step back and, like, the wall was square, but the foundation just went, ooh, underneath it. And it's just like, holy crap. Like, I don't know. Like, this is... This is insane. I don't know how somebody even got to this point. And I, I feel somewhat bad for the seller because it was a massive hoarder house stacked to the ceiling full of stuff. So you couldn't, you could tell it had foundation issues, I'm sure. But you couldn't tell that the walls had lifted up off the ground because the ground was covered with stuff. Or you couldn't see how bad it really was underneath
0: there. Yeah, but tell the worst part was that they had a foundation company in there. And what was their report saying? The, well,
1: that report from that foundation company. And, By no means, I I trust but verify kind of thing because the company that gave it, I was like, yeah, I wouldn't really trust them. But the bid said there that they would not provide a warranty because they could only stabilize the floor. They couldn't raise it because there was no interior grade beams underneath the slab. But it's just one of those that like, man, I find that really hard to believe. But I'm looking at this thing like weird stuff happens in this industry. Like, I don't know, because if there was a house that didn't have interior grade beams, this would be the one.
0: Well, explain what the grade beam issue is i mean that's
1: your actual structural support so i mean you only have like six inches of of your actual slab but underneath it you have these huge concrete beams that are attached to the normal slab they pour it in place and those things can be anywhere from a foot wide to two feet deep i mean they're huge concrete beams and that's where your actual structural support comes from so that is what they let raise and lower and if it's just six inches there's um there's not enough steel in those slabs to lift that kind of weight with that kind of pressure without blowing a hole through the center of the concrete. Because so, you have those tension rod foundations all the way around that literally just kind of compress the slabs, and then your structural beams underneath what actual holds the thing together. That has That's tension rod? And it had tension rod foundations. Uh, so that way, if you try to push in the center, it doesn't have the grid steel like nor- yeah. a lot of other houses have to where you'll blow a hole through it and you can't lift it. That's why they were saying we'll stabilize only to keep it from falling further, but we can't lift it and we're not providing a warranty on a work for the fact. <laughs> but there's a lot of things about that house that just really seemed so- off.
0: So with something like that, what is the solution? Well, I mean, we submitted, an because the guy was asking uh, way too much for the house, so we submitted a low offer because we're not going to waste any time if he can't even come in at the price that we're going to need to fix that foundation. But what is the potential solution that the engineer told us that could he said, there's a house. couple
1: things that could be done um one is and i talked to one of our foundation companies and they said one thing you can do is you can basically tunnel underneath the house and you can install giant steel beams underneath the house and use those to lift the foundation if there's no interior grade beams then another one that he said you can do is it's some it's a foam product and i've seen it but i've never actually used it basically they drill a hole a small hole through the foundation and they spray a type of foam underneath that and this has got to be some pretty damn intense foam because this he said it'll lift the foundation like up to six inches and provide structural support underneath the entire foundation which to me was just absolutely crazy like i've never heard of like a foam being able to lift that kind of weight as it expanded and then solidify to where it provided structural support to where an engineer would certify that that was actually done well so, and,
0: and for how long does it solidify for because i mean even when you you know a lot of foam over time it deteriorates like I don't
1: know. I've never used it and I've seen it but I haven't really looked into it. It it just like that was crazy.
0: Uh but yeah, he's saying and he's, what are the costs that he's saying is associated with that? He said like
1: 15-20 grand. I was like, "Well, I mean, that's the cost of fixing that foundation in my mind because that mm-hmm. we've done foundations similar size so you get a pretty ballpark. I was like it's probably 15 grand to fix this foundation if you could do the beams right. uh, or do the just concrete piers." So
0: Yeah, I'm I'm curious, you know, to see if the seller actually Accepts our offer to proceed. They didn't. just to, not didn't. Yeah, I would assume. We were what, 30 grand under well, what he, he was asking? Well, we
1: were 20, you know, we were ten, twelve grand under what he bought it for. Well, and yeah. Was, and then he it still had already yeah, started he, demoing and cleaning things out. Yeah. and He overpaid
0: already, already. He overpaid for the house. And then he went ahead and did the clean out because you said it was a hoarder house. So he yeah. cleaned the whole thing out. You can see now everywhere. You can walk through everything. So, he, all that money, all the dumpster, whatever holding costs he has already. So, yeah, he's probably in it for like 145 <laughs> I didn't tell you, you know.
1: this um, in the master bedroom. So, the house of the sheetrock was just destroyed and they'd ripped the whole ceiling down because apparently it had been rat infested. Like, it was a pretty nasty house by the sound of what he bought when he bought it. But. She, the previous owner had used spray foam, the yellow spray foam insulation stuff. Mm-hmm. There was a crack in a, a giant crack in the master bedroom, it probably stuck down on two, three inches. And it just arced across the entire ceiling. Well, I got in there and they all their brilliance and sprayed spray foam in that giant crack all the way through the master bedroom. So you just had this yellow foam sticking out of your ceiling for like, I guess like insulation purposes. Wow. But it was one of those. And I'm thinking through the process and like how the house got to that way and where it's located. And i talked to foundation crews; like, I find it highly unlikely that that house, it's in a production builder neighborhood from the eighties. Yeah. That that house somehow got away with not putting in the interior grade beams. Yeah. Like, I find that very hard to believe. Now, if it was like the thirties, forties, fifties, maybe, but that house in that neighborhood, where it's at, I find it hard to believe, but also hearing the story that the house was packed from floor to ceiling with stuff, I could see somebody coming in there and be like, well, I can't get to the interior of the house and you need foundation work. So we're just going to put exterior beams around it and lift that. And then everything sank in the inside and you couldn't really tell at first, but over time, everything started to shift, settle and crack because there was a, there was between the driveway and the, entrance to the garage yep. there was probably a foot 14 16 inches rise from where it was at and where it was so they whoever lifted it to lifted it way higher than they need to lift it i, I don't know why because the entire house you could see where the foundation was poured yeah. and you can um, when they do the the bags to pour the concrete those around the entire house were like above the dirt level so they lifted the house like a foot around the outside and the inside just sank in
0: and that's kind of the thing that we talk about all the time where The advantage of, if you're a new investor looking to get into flipping, of partnering with somebody that's been through this countless times, right? Because one thing that we always joke about is that we can see through walls. And it's not that we can see through walls. It's just that we've done so many rehabs and we've worked on so many houses that when we see certain things start lining up, we're like, "Uh, chances are this is going to be a big issue moving forward yeah right so we start anticipating all those things we start but like the same thing you know now you're leveling this what we we talked about it's we might as well just budget in to do all of the uh plumbing brand new because that kind of that kind of especially now that you're saying that it's tension rod we did tension rod foundation that shit, you know to get the proper pressure and sometimes it gets wobbly you know it's not the best type of foundation so it creates a lot of problems so we're factoring in plumbing you know it's a lot of things that's going to have to be involved in that. And the longer that foundation sits, more strain is putting on those walls that are just elevated. You know, they're just hanging on pretty much by the roof uh structure yeah. and by each other. So it's like it puts on more pressure, puts on more pressure yeah. on the roof. I mean I mean, his, it's initial, a lot.
1: his initial buy now that it's cleaned out wasn't that far off. I mean, he paid like 134 and we were at 120 from what we were seeing. But it's just but he's new. Brand new. And you can just look
0: yeah, but R one twenty doesn't didn't include the clean out that he had to do. That was probably a couple extra like four or five uh, That's grand.
1: true. Uh, I didn't think about that. But it's just one of those like the importance of like, why did somebody think this is a good idea? Take on a house that's that jacked up because on the outside you can see this house is pretty jacked up and that yeah. much stuff packed into it to where you and I walking into that much of a hoarder house, looking at the history of it, just looking from the outside, then the massive amount of neglect it had just by the trees, dude. There was a freaking tree that was probably I don't know eight inches in diameter, like three inches from the house,
0: mm-hmm.
1: all the way up and just destroying the roof. And you can tell from and that wasn't there. Was, that was multiple locations of that of the trees just overgrowing and. And it's not like they've been overgrowing for six months. Like, no, they've been that big for years uh-huh. and just destroying that roof to where you look at that, like, there's a lot of neglect here, a lot of neglect. This is a hoarder house packed full of stuff. I'm going to find issues that I can't see right now because I, I just can't see in the house. Yeah, and I, But I can tell from the outside, the looks of it, what's going on, that massive jump in the driveway. Like, there's some serious issues in this house to where buying it I, if we would have bought that originally we obviously would have been lower than the 120 we talked about because i had to clean it out like but even below that it's like i'm going to hedge my bets that there's something else wrong with this house like this guy just found because another foundation company came in and they said that uh the, they gave a bid like what was it double what the other company had but they talked about building the piers installing the interior great you doing a ride right over there oh, the chairs <laughs> all weird <laughs> Installing the steel beams underneath it and lifting the foundation. But that's double what we would have factored into it because we could literally couldn't see that the house had sunk in like that. So you got to anticipate running into issues like that with the well, house. And then it's also so shows
0: that long yeah, of neglect. And one thing that, you know, we try to stress a lot is that I understand deals are hard to come by. But this doesn't mean that you just jump in on a deal just because they're hard to come by. You understand, like you still need to do your due diligence. If you're having one of these wholesale companies pressuring you to buy and all that, because, you know, they're freaking Wolf of Wall Street tactics and all that nonsense that they implement. Um, it's something that you got to be smart as an investor and be like, look, you can pressure me all you want. I'm still going to do my due diligence. Yeah, you understand. I'm still gonna look through all this. I'm still gonna check everything out. Like, I'm not gonna just hurry up and buy just because you're pressuring me to do it. You know, because right now it's just more and more people. It blows my mind how they're getting into flipping houses and doing all this, and they've never done it in the past. They've never done it at all. Oh, they've never, they've never,
1: never done anything like any f- basic home renovation either. Anything. Or like, you had a whole uphill battle of like dealing with contractors like yeah. that's a whole new thing it's not i just hire one contractor like you you need to understand how this works and how this industry works like yeah they,
0: they don't appreciate the the risk involved in the skill the skills that are necessary to succeed in this business yeah
1: right that's well, not... and then just like jump off the deep end the first house you do is something that large like yeah Learn with something a little simpler. Like even if you only make a couple grand on it, it's a learning process. But my goodness, Wait, if, something that large, even not like you like, 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 really.
0: If ugh. you get a deal that's that bad, right? Still partner with somebody because somebody that has experience can handle a deal like that. And what you're gonna learn from somebody that actually knows what they're doing is going to be tremendous you yeah. understand because you're going to learn that's going to be learning foundation electrical plumbing you know sheetrock windows doors i mean roof everything you're going to learn yeah. on the project that the house did have a good air conditioner though
1: oh that's a plus it was like a 2018 ream interior and exterior so i was like hey you got one good thing going
0: for you Or the size of the home too yeah it's the size of the home
1: yeah, yeah it was it was actually a good air conditioner like well there you go. There's the pot. There's the, the shiny penny in the uh, <laughs> stack of uh, rubble. Yeah. i like, so, I've got a good air conditioner.
0: Definitely. Uh, hope this little lesson helps you guys understand a little bit more about when you're dealing with foundation issues, when you're dealing with a property here that, you know, you, maybe you can't see it or you're dealing with these sellers that are just pounding you, pressuring you to go ahead and buy. And it reminds me of that one movie. Hurry up and buy. Um, <laughs> Not many people are going to get that reference, but okay. <laughs> especially here in Texas, they're not. Um, yep, it's, uh, it's something that you just got to really just do your due diligence. And if you're not sure, we have investors call us all the time like, hey, I'm about to buy this property. Like, what do you think? You know, and if you're going to call somebody for advice, please, please, please. Do it before you buy the house. (laughs) Don't call me after you bought the house saying, hey, what do I do now? (laughs) I just bought this house. What do I do? You probably Um, should have called me before you bought it. You know, we had had a gentleman that, uh, same thing. He he had a full-time job, everything. We told him, you should partner on your first couple flips. He, you know, felt like he saw enough YouTube videos, apparently. Buys a house, sight unseen, as he was leaving San Antonio. Like he was going on a business trip or something. And I was like, wow, that's reckless. And he bought it from one of these big wholesale companies that are known for just, you know, screwing everybody not, not, not known in for between. Their ethics. And so he says, I bought this house and everything. I just, I would like to partner with you guys on the rehab because I can't handle the rehab. It's a lot. And I was like, all right. I go take a look at the house. I didn't, need, I didn't spend too much time because as soon as I walked through the door, I can see through the whole house literally. They had no sheetrock, no insulation, no nothing. You needed to do literally everything. Plumbing, foundation, roof, electrical. was house like
1: on the demo block too? Like he had to stop Well, right? hold on, oh. hold on.
0: So I get there. So I look at it. I'm like, all right, run ARVs. I run the, how much it would cost to renovate the house and everything. And I told him, all right, well, it's, it's going to cost this much to renovate. And this is the price we're going to sell for it. He's like... Oh, I can't do that. Like, why not? I already knew why not. But he says, well, that means I'm going to lose. What was it like? Forty five grand. I'm going to lose if I do that. So he had overpaid by forty five grand for that house. And I was like. I don't know what to tell you. It sounds like a you problem, you know, Like, you kind of screwed up here. He's like, well, what's even worse is that when I'm out of town, I get a call like that. My house is about to be demolished. Like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, it was already scheduled for the city to demolish it. I was like, and the people that sold the house to you they didn't know that or anything? He's like, well, they didn't say anything. So he was in a lawsuit with the company because, you know, he had to call the city, stop it from being demolished. Like he overpaid for a house that he, if he didn't act quickly enough, it was just going to be a slab. He's going to come back from his <laughs> business trip and be like, where'd my house go? Yeah. And, uh, and then he's like, so what do I do? I'm about to lose 40, 45 grand or I don't know. It was like- it was forty. I was around there. Um, what do I do? I'm like, well, at this point, your only option is pretty much either you eat that loss, or you renovate it and you rent it, refinance whatever you can back out of it, and just hold on to it. You know, and hope that with between oh, the rent be right. and appreciation. He might,
1: break, he might be able to break even now. This Because that was like three, two, three years ago.
0: Yeah, but it was still further out, you know, so I don't know. But it's still in that price point that seemed like yeah, ridiculous so appreciation. That was really his only option at the time. But like I, I tell I people, I'm you. like, <laughs> call <laughs> me before you buy the house. You know what I mean? Don't call me after you bought it because now it's like, well, now let's just mitigate the loss as much as we can. You know, and we have that other situation with two other properties from a lender. So, I mean, it's something that, you know, take it serious, guys. This isn't a game.
1: This is real money. And, it, like, debt is a very powerful tool to use to exponentially grow your wealth. Well, is it, but it's also very powerful, too, to exponentially decrease your wealth if you don't know
0: what you're doing with it. It's like, or somebody else's wealth. They, yeah. And, and isn't that the problem, though? Don't you think that, uh, at least from what I've been seeing, is money has become so accessible. There's more and more people willing to lend to People they not only don't know, but to people that don't have any prior experience at all, flipping houses, doing any kind of managing rehab, anything at that level. We were seeing
1: that years ago when that lady lent something like 60 grand to somebody and got no documents, just just wrote a check check and said, here you go. And then like, the guy stopped making payments, things were going wrong with the house for obvious reasons. And she's like, well, I just hope I get my money back. Like What do you mean you hope? Don't you have some documents? No.
0: Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. It's all, it's all that easy money. Just these people are just lending to anybody that has a project that has, or says that has a a deal just because they have an investor friendly contractor. (laughs) Um, And it's just something that's like all that easy money and everything is just making people more and more reckless. And it screws with the real estate market, right? Because now you have these houses that they're trying to push the prices up substantially just so they can either break even or make a profit on it and you know you're you're messing with the market you're doing a, a half-assed rehab because even this guy that he was about to lose the 45 first question he asked me is how can we cut the rehab budget in half i'm like when you're in trouble rehab is the last thing you cut out because yeah. that's what's going to get you out of it yeah. like you can't cut corners on your finish out you can't cut corners on the work that needs to get done because now you have a, a losing uh deal already and you put a shitty product on the market chances are you're not gonna sell now you know and you're gonna spend or waste that much more money trying to fix it so it's like you got to do it right there's a lot of risk involved yeah so with all that hope hopefully uh that helps you guys um what kind of top what topic do you want to hit you got first? more in here than i do knock yourself out don't i always No. so last um week you zero get out of here <laughs> So, uh, the first thing I wanted to cover was uh, to break down the stimulus. So what stimulus? Uh, you know, that, that little happy money that's being given out. Helicopter money? Just... Yeah. Well, that hasn't stopped. But <clears throat> we have uh, Biden yesterday, I believe, already signed the plan. So, it went through Senate. They modified it. Uh, they removed the $15 uh, minimum wage, which... You know, we that about was last good. Week they couldn't, yeah.
1: didn't meet the rules.
0: Yeah. And it's good that, you know, they're, they're still going to try to pass it. But so far for right now, they removed it. So at least it gives us a little more uh, breathing room to before everything goes to crap. And, but we still have this stimulus. So pretty much, let, I wanted to cover like what's involved in this new stimulus package. So the package extends the existing $300 weekly unemployment benefit through September 6th as well provides a tax break on $10,000 in unemployment benefits. So for everybody that's collecting their unemployment benefits and everything, a lot of people are worried about, you know, taxes because a lot not of people enough, are making, not, not enough was taken out of those. <clears throat> bills. Well, and a lot of people are making also more money on unemployment than they were on their job. And they just wouldn't spend so, it all. So it's
1: like you give money to people that don't know how to handle it. They're going to go ahead and just spend it off and like raise their income levels on the, all the wrong things. So. Well,
0: it, 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 especially when you're telling them you don't have to pay your mortgage or you don't have to pay your rent. You know, don't worry about everything. Money rules are changing. Financing is changing. The Fed is saying, don't worry about money supply. So when you have everything changing, it's like, well, what else do I spend this money on? Yeah. Right. GameStop. So Robinhood app, here we come. Yeah. So, okay. So you have that unemployment that's being extended through September and and they got rid of pretty much everything that you needed to to qualify for unemployment now is just, just ask for it. You're gonna get it. You know, uh, individuals earning 75k and married couples earning 150 will still re- will receive 1400 per person benefit. People that are making 80 individually and 160 married are gonna dec- uh, get a decreased amount of that. 1400. They're going to stop at 180. Yeah, at it 80 stops
1: values. at 80. Cuz before it like it started phasing out after 75 and then disappeared after like 100 or 110. Yeah, so they lowered like, that. Done. Yeah, and that was that was one of the bargaining chips, chips that they did. And the yeah. unemployment was another thing that went down cuz originally it was 400 a week through the end of August. Now it's through the first week of September and lowered to 300.
0: Oh. Yeah. And um so then moving forward, they did uh this is what I found crazy is the child tax credit. So kids under the age of six are getting, uh, parents are getting $3,600 for, for those kids. And kids from six to 17 years old are getting 3000 per kid. And this is going to be distributed uh, to them. They didn't quite say in a monthly basis, but they said that it's going to be distributed to them throughout the year pretty much for expenses or yeah. whatever the heck. They, yeah, needed. I remember
1: seeing that like, oh, it'll be distributed and not necessarily at tax time, but could be it's like. So it's like, could be or is. It's yeah. a lot of money that you're just like, oh, we'll get it to you at some some point. Point,
0: some point somehow. We're not exactly sure yet, yeah. but it's there. Then you have 350 billion for state cities, state cities, tribal governments, and U.S. government U.S. Uh, US territories. territories. I got it. U.S. territories. And um, so that's good news for California. They can keep gambling and they're going to get bailed out again. Uh, Biden said there will be enough coronavirus vaccines doses for every adult in America by the end of May. Uh, His goal was, what, 100 million uh, vaccines put in people's arms within his first 100 days. So now he's saying yesterday he gave a talk and he's saying that they're definitely going to blow past that. The bill sets aside more than 20 billion in emergency rental assistance and other relief for homeless. Another 10 billion goes to mortgage and homeownership assistance. The bill includes an 86 billion dollar bailout for failing failing pensions. This is what I found. The part of that I was like. What does this have to do with, you know, I, th- this is the it's kind of an shit excuse that excuse to get money to well, orally run pension. And, and this is the kind states. of shit that, you know, Trump was arguing about, which I, I felt he was right at the time that they were trying to pass stuff in the stimulus package that had nothing to do with the pandemic, had nothing yeah. to do with what was going on. And here's one. And it says, Democrats say the provision gives struggling pension plans enough money to pay hundreds of thousands of retirees their full pension for the next few decades. All right, so they're taking care of them for the next few decades. That, that blows my mind. But the bill has been, has been criticized for having little to do with the current health crisis, especially since many pension plans were on the verge of collapse well before the pandemic. And this is something that you and I had spoken about, countless times about how, especially with California pension plans, how many of them were pretty much already bankrupt? Like how many people were baby boomers are getting to a point where they're going to need their pension. And these pensions don't well, have They've been, the money they've been raided there.
1: by the, the corporate, the the government. Like yeah. they just were taking that money, mismanaging, not setting enough aside, pro- over promising what they could deliver in the future based on these pie in the sky projections. Or like, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's great to see that they're pumping that money into the pension programs to cuz that that's a huge problem where a lot of demographics when they need their retirement money they've been saving their entire lives just disappears. Yeah. Like that would be absolutely terrible. So I, I I'm I, it's good to see the money go in there, but it's also one of the things that you just incentivize them to do the exact same thing in the future. Like you, you there's no lesson to be learned from this now.
0: Well, we go we go back to oh. What Besides that, you we've can... talked about before about moral hazard, right? There, there is no more problems with taking unnecessary risks, and we see this in every industry where there's no no reason to not take unnecessary risks to not screw up your company and not screw up these things because if you're so big that you're talking about billions of dollars, they're gonna come and bail you out. You know, they're gonna come and because they don't like. And this is we're going to touch on this topic and maybe we can get into it now but it's the whole thing with this uh the cancel culture and the nanny state and all the nonsense oh, that we're getting into because it's just like I feel like the the Hollywood the media and the government are pushing for you to not feel any discomfort for you to not feel any sadness for you to not feel any pain it's like We're in this utopian world that everything is perfect. And don't get me wrong, while that sounds great in theory, it's not the real world. The real world does have pain. It does have problems. And if you don't allow people, when they hit that, to figure out solutions and to feel the pain, you know what I mean, like it's the same thing, like you you touch something that's burning up and it hurts you, you learn not to touch it again. But if every time you, you're going to go do something stupid, there's somebody there to protect you, you never learn how to do anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it, I don't know. I don't know your thoughts on that. But Well, like, I it's mean, just, it's what we've talked about. That's
1: where I was hoping they could get a divided government to where you couldn't just pass these sweeping legislations because, like— the 350 billion dollars it's going to states I read one article that San Francisco was getting like 600 million dollars of that money and that like takes care of like a of their shortfall. So they don't have to raise taxes that much to get that other 8%. So they're like, they're bailing out these poorly run states and things, but it's also one of the things like they're just putting a bandaid over the problem. They're not fixing the problem. So this is going to, those problems are going to continue and they're going to get worse. And then they're still going to end up in the same pot because they still have to go through that pain of restructuring the way they are to get to something. Cause I I was actually kind of funny. I was watching um, one of Joe Rogan's original stand-ups from 2016 last night and he was in san francisco and he was poking fun at kind of what is now the cancel culture i mean this is five years ago and it's like that's what happened Did you give everybody a freaking participation trophy and like the, cl- the crowd died laughing it's like man he's saying that in san francisco like this is where a lot of this stuff really started was out there in the silicon yeah. valley because like you think about it like What does like Silicon Valley, the government and like have in tech is like, they have a lot, a a lot of money and what does money buy you? It buys you power. It buys you influence. So with that money, you can buy politicians, you can influence government. You can do all these things where like, I think that's where a lot of this stuff is originating is in the big tech industry.
0: Well, and not just that, but you also see it like you're saying in Hollywood that they control so much of it. It's. You know, we just saw that actress from uh the show the Mandalorian, a Star Wars show that they have on Disney. She got fired because she was putting out her uh, her opinions on things that were going on in in the in politics and the in the world and stuff like that, right? And I read her posts and everything. I didn't think they were that insane or inciting violence or anything like that for her to get fired, yeah. where now it's to the point where it's not even, you know, we don't want you to say these things that are mean or wrong. No, we don't want you to say anything that's against the agenda that we're pushing. Yeah. Because the other side can say all of those things. They're more than welcome to say all of those things. It's just the other side is not allowed to speak their mind anymore. Yeah. And you have, like you're saying, you have big tech that's controlling pretty much every like platform, every platform, every that social platform of any kind of reach nowadays. Yeah, and I, I was, I have an article in here that I was reading this morning. Um, we, I have an article that I was reading this morning that Amazon won't sell books framing LGBTQ plus. LGBTQ plus. Yeah, that's what it's that's it a new now. streaming service. Uh, <laughs> no, because there were so many letters going
1: on after it. They were like, "Okay, we're just going to put a plus sign." Just plus. plus. sounds like whatever. A streaming service. Whatever's
0: after that plus. <laughs> the, the the new uh, any they won't sell any books framing them. Yeah, framing them identities as mental illnesses. Framing those identities as mental illnesses. So you have Amazon that came out and said recently removed three-year-old book about transgender issues from its platform because it decided not to sell books that frame transgender and other sexual identities as mental illnesses right uh this was uh that book and the, the title it is kind of funny uh i gotta give him credit the creative title when harry became sally <laughs> responding uh-huh. to the transgender moment um is no longer available on Amazon. Senators wrote a letter to Amazon. And um so it says, as to your specific question about when Harry made Sally, this is from Amazon. We have chosen not to sell books that frame the LGBT streaming service identity as mental illnesses. Um, this was that came from Brian Husman, Amazon's vice president of public referring to sexual identities that include lesbians, gay, bisexuals, transgender, among others. There's a debate, however, which Amazon is seeking to shut down about how best to treat patients who experience gender dysphobia. Amazon is using its massive power to distort the marketplace of ideas and is deceiving its own customers in the process. So this is what, you know, a bunch of senators, they wrote a letter to Amazon, to Bezos, saying like, "Why are you cutting down this conversation that Americans have the right to have? Uh, right? Like you are purposely removing a whole other opinion because, again, this is our opinions, careful. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't nobody get triggered. Um, these are all opinions, right? Like whether it is a mental issue, whether it's not a mental issue, like." There's really, like, I, I don't, at least to my knowledge, there doesn't seem to be a fact behind it on what this could be. If it is mental, if it's not, if it just is what it is. But by you saying you're not allowed to even talk about it, what, what are we doing here?
1: Well, that's what they were having this discussion before we got onto the show of just, like, how far is this going to go? Because okay. you see, like, the canceled Dr. Seuss during Dr. Suit read America week or whatever the, this last week or the week before they're going after the monopoly game now, because it has racial under uh, racial undertones of how the game was made. They're trying to cancel M M&M. they're trying to can like everything. And I like, guess kind of interesting, like the, the, when Rogan was talking about it in 2016, like it hadn't formed yet into the cancel culture, but he was talking about things like we're doing. It's like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this crap? Like, stop patronizing these things like and trying to erase the past of what happened and but now it's just gotten worse and worse and worse to where i firmly believe that it's the 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 loud minority that's doing this it's a very very small subset that just has a lot of influence and power that's pushing this thing that everyone's just like we're just going to go along with and agree but like how far can it go before enough people are just like, all right, this other stuff before was not bothering me. I really don't care. It's whatever. You're going to cancel it. What doesn't affect my life. But now it's like every day, like new things are constantly being canceled. You can't come out and say opinions. You can't go out. And I mean, talk about monopoly old music, like everything now is racial undertones. Like, you're just eliminating our entire past. Like uh, everything can be traced back to some point. And if somebody with the right influence and right message can just cancel anything and everything, tracing something back to something that happened hundreds of years ago. Yeah. Or, I mean, or decades ago or anything like that. So are like some of the stuff that you look at like movies, you look at uh TV shows, you look at music like that was done in like, even up to the like, early two thousands. They're like, if, you can't well, we read it, i'm like god you couldn't get away saying some of that stuff today oh 100 so how long before it's like mm, basically anything that happened for 2015 never happened
0: yeah like it's all that, canceled. that's exactly what it is it's not saying that what happened back then was right it was what was happening right at that time. or accepted at the time that's what yeah. it is nothing more nothing less it doesn't make it that you know Oh, that's it. That you know that we got to pretend like that never existed. We got to condemn those people that they're trying to condemn, like the founding fathers and all this for having slavery, and they should have known better. Like, known better in what way? You know what I'm saying? Like that was the thing. Back like what? Then, like you know, in,
1: in three hundred years from now, looking to the future, there's going to be things that they look at that we're doing today, in three hundred years are like they should have known better not to do exactly. that. Exactly. Like you know, it, was at the time, like this is what you think are. Like you drove a car. Oh, they should have known better and everyone should have just started walking to work.
0: That's what like, we're all living instantly. in Mars
1: now. Yeah. Instantly, <laughs> they should start walking to work.
0: Like, yeah. You, you, is, you go with the times. You go with the, like, what is accepted at the time and to live your life. I just think like, it's kind of what that saying goes. You know, If you don't study the past, you are doomed to repeat it. Yeah. Right? So it's like, again, I'm not saying you should look up to those things and say, hey, we should bring you know, discrimination back or any of those things. I'm just saying like, yes, it happened. Was it bad? Yes, it was bad. But that was then. You understand? Like, we can't go, start going back now and trying to go after people for shit they said so long ago. You know, we saw this starting years ago with Kevin Hart when he was about to uh, host the, what was it? The Grammys or the Oscars? He was going to host something. And then, like, one of his first jokes from one of his first stand-ups talking about, like, you know, if his son was gay, that he would smack it out of him or something. Like, making a joke as a comedian. Yeah. And because of all that, they're like, ah, we don't feel that you should be the host because of this. Or you need to come out and publicly apologize for that. And he's like, no, it was like well, it was a joke at that time. But he had already apologized for it. It was like, it was, you know, it was poor taste. Was, I was coming out. It was a joke. Like, I didn't mean anything, you know, offensive by it and all this. But they wanted to like pretty much berate him across like, oh, my God. And all this. And it's like, no, stop being afraid of speaking. That That yeah. is honestly like <clears throat> why we decided to talk about this today was I'm tired of it. Like I'm one that doesn't is not known for having a filter, but at the same time, like, Jesus. It gets to a point where I gotta just stay quiet because I might offend somebody because they're so damn sensitive. You know, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I'm not responsible for your feelings. Yeah. You understand you are. If I say something that offends you, that is on you, not on me. You understand? You're offending me. That I'm offending you. You're you're too sensitive, and if that offends you, that's on you. That's your problem. That it offends you. You understand? It's not my problem. You understand? Like you, you gotta figure. It's we go back to the same thing. You know, if I just say, John, I think that you're stupid. Does that make it true? Does that mean that you're actually stupid? No, that's my opinion. Yeah. You understand? Like, I'm, I'm, I have the right to have my opinion about it. You understand? Yes, I do agree that like you shouldn't go around, you know, uh, you know, being like verbally abusive and all that to people and discriminating based on their sexual preference or skin color. Of course, a thousand percent. I'm not condoning any of that. I think you're a piece of crap if you're doing those things. That being said, like you still have the right to speak your mind. You understand? And this whole cancel culture, this whole thing that's going on about. Don't don't say this because you're gonna trigger this person. Don't say that because you're gonna, and then people are getting fired. Yeah, from their jobs, from
1: their lives. Oh, or it's like the Trump, like people are not getting jobs from the that worked for the Trump administration. That's insane. This is like, the, oh my god! Just because they're associated with a person, they worked in an administration, like you were gonna cancel their careers yeah. and hold it against them of uh, their their beliefs and their talents. Like
0: wow. Well, and it's the same thing like we talked about last week about these companies that are trying to overcorrect now. With their discrimination with everything where they're saying okay we're only going to hire women and minorities you don't get rid of discrimination and racism by going by discriminating and being racist to the other side now yeah like it doesn't work that way you understand like you're still being racist the difference because you're even being racist to those same people and discriminating those same people because now you're saying you're only getting this because you're a minority or you're a woman it doesn't mean that you're getting it because of your abilities. Yeah, I'm not saying that you have any decent abilities or that you deserve the job. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I got to hire you just because of the climate that we're in. I think that's more demeaning yeah. than anything else. Like you want to end discrimination. You want to end racism. You treat everybody the same way. You understand? Like you don't look at color. You don't look at gender. You don't look at any of those things. You look at their ability to do the job. You understand? Now, this is talking about the business world, right? But then you have the sports world now. that What was it? There's an article in here that Mississippi governor, yeah, Mississippi governor, is signed a bill banning trans athletes from school sports. So, I mean, this is another thing that's coming out is how many... You have transgender people trying to play sports on the new gender that they identify it. identify well, as? Well, yeah and it,
1: it's just it's and it's mainly the issue is it's when people that are born male transition to being female and then go and compete against a in female sports, yeah, to where it's like they have a genetic advantage for sure. And it shows that, and it shows, because I can't remember, it's like North Carolina or South Carolina or some. One of the group Carolinas? Of, yeah, one of, the, one of those states over there um, brought a lawsuit against like the NCAA or a school board or something like that because a group of natural born women were losing to a like two or three, I think it was like two or three transgenders that were allowed to compete in the sports because they dominated every sport on, um, for, I think they were sprinters and they would, they were just dominating every track meet. And so they got the scholarships and now these girls, they couldn't compete because the, 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 the transgender was allowed to compete. They were suppressed. And instead of coming in first in seconds and becoming state champions and runner-ups, They were now second, their third, fourth, fifth place finishers and denied scholarships based on their placing of when you look at it, just across the basis, because when you look at the name, you don't see that it's a transgender athlete competing against other natural born women. They just look at the names like, man, this person's won every track meet, state champion, everything like we need to see about getting them on our team, nobody looks at third, fourth, fifth, and sixth place. That People do, but not to the level of the Ivy League schools and the scholarships that are being denied opportunities to where uh, that is a very hot topic issue to where you see it all the time because it was a lot about women's rights. But now those rights are being infringed upon by the LGBTQ plus industry uh, that is just like, or not industry, but culture. Mm -hmm. And it's a very contested battle of like, my goodness. So I have a.
0: I was talking about it to with my personal trainer, and he is a UFC fighter. And I was telling him, I was like, "Look, you've practiced. I'm sure you've sparred and you practice with women. Like how? Because as as crazy as it may sound, guys, we are not doctors, attorneys, you know, pediatricians, uh, vets. We're none of that. Yeah. All right. So this is just professional law degree. This is just coming from what our common sense is. You know, it could be 100% wrong. But I was asking him, like, how is it? Like, you're, let's say you're 155, I think he is. You go and you train against a girl that's 155. Is that apples to apples? He's like, not by a long shot. He's like, the amount of force I can pack in a punch is not the same as she can. Like, women are not built the same way we are. They don't have the same... I I don't know if he called testosterone or hormone. I don't know what it was, but he's like, we have more that we I can pack a lot more in a punch than a girl can. And it's not to say that the girls don't have good techniques or they can't fight, but it's just what it is. It's biology. It's like yeah. if I hit a girl that's my same weight and she's trained fighter and everything, but I hit her full force, she's gonna feel it much more than a guy of my weight. Yeah. He's like, and we've seen it. He's like he's like this isn't an opinion I've seen it you understand so I'm like there's obvious signs here so if we talk about you know this whole um cancel culture about protecting people's feelings and everything you need to protect them from this you understand because they obviously can't protect themselves if a woman wants to fight a man in the UFC because they've talked about it before like this can get very very dangerous you understand like or there needs to be some adjustments at that point where it's like all right a 155 male fights a 170 female okay then we're talking that it's not equal yeah you know what i mean so it's like what are we talking about here you understand biology is biology i'm sorry well that's that's the whole thing came with a pandemic thing too like
1: trust science believe science you have to go with the science but now it's like don't believe science. It's not about science. It's what you feel inside. Like so, you use science when right. you want to use it, but don't use it when you do- it doesn't help your agenda. That's and and what, that's
0: like, that's what's sick about it is how they use all of these things uh, politically, right? To whatever benefits. It's all politics. Uh, it's all it politics. Is all
1: politics. When but you then look down to it, like, But it's let, all let's talk
0: about what it is too. Is the trauma that there is for kids in the sick, Because my, my wife and I we have this conversation a lot because we have two boys. And it's just like, how the hell do you explain these things? You understand? Like how, you know, when you have parents that are saying, oh, we're not, decide- not um, going to put the sex of our kid on the birth certificate because we're going to let them decide later on what sex they want to be. Like kids are looking up to you for guidance, education, to set some moral standards on everything. And you're already trying to give them all this responsibility when they're like six years old to decide what they want to be. They don't know what the hell they want to be. You understand? Like, if a little boy wants to be a cowboy when he's five, I'm not going to give him two six-shooters and go start shooting people because he feels like being a cowboy. There's boundaries. Yeah, He needs to understand that, like, no, you, you can play pretend cowboy, but that's about it. Like, you know, th- there are certain limits in life. And with you letting a kid decide... Such an important thing of like, what do you identify as? I mean, I just think it's nuts. What was it that years ago that
1: a kid was trying to sue his parents because they did not let him choose what he wanted to identify as when he was born? <laughs> I remember I was like, what? And then like, it, and now we're years later, it's just like, oh my goodness, this is getting, and I'm just not saying like, okay, transgenders compete against transgenders. What's wrong with this creating? It's like, it's not male, female. Like we have all these different identities for LGBTQ plus and stuff like that. It's like, okay, then those people compete with each other. It's like like transgenders competing as transgenders. But then they're like, well, there's not enough of them. Well, I, okay. I, I'm uh, sorry. But it's hey. like, it's.
0: I don't know, man. I, I, I think don't it,
1: know how I don't know, know how you pr- approach it, what you do to fix it. That's why I relatively just stay out of it. Do I have an opinion on it? Do I have feeling? Uh, how my thought process works around it? Sure, but like, what is my the solution? Is like we, we just I keep going back go to
0: the the whole thing, bringing it back to business and everything. It's like being forced to hire certain people, or or being, you know, use an example for not having enough diversity in your company, or or stuff like that, where it's like. Look, I don't give a damn about diversity. I care about hiring the right person for the job, whoever that may be. You understand? Like, period. We are here to produce the best product or the best service. And we need to hire the best person for the job, regardless of what their sexual orientation is, regardless of what their race is. I don't give a damn what all of that is. But now you're forcing companies to overcorrect. We're still well, it's, having it's, racism. It's... it's-
1: it's just forced. They're just trying to do it. And it's like, and you have some art topics I want to get into here, yeah. but like you have the uh, San Antonio finds mask mandate work around, like removing the mask mandate to where it's no longer about what should or shouldn't be done. It's just by whoever's organizing it is the one that's like the other side's got to be like, no. I'm going to stick to my guns because I want to have the power. I can't let this other side fight against me. Like where Austin is now refusing to lift their mandates.
0: So, right. So like talking on that, uh, on that article, we have uh, the Texas attorney general sues Austin for refusing to lift their mandate. And it was, they warned them during this week. They said, you know, Hey, you need to respect the the, the law. You understand? And the governor gave, A law, he gave uh, an executive order, and that supersedes any local order that you can give. So you got to respect it. And Austin said, nope. And it's kind of ironic that it's Austin, the city where the capital is, where the governor is. It's always funny, but it's always Austin. But here's what the attorney general said. "Just, just Just as a servant cannot have two masters, the public cannot have two sets of rules to live by particularly in a pandemic, and when those rules uh, carry criminal penalties substantially impacting people's lives and livelihood. First of all, you couldn't have used a better metaphor than saying a servant can have two masters? Like, I mean, are you really saying that nice society, the people, like, mm. we, we are the servants— and you guys are the masters? Yeah. Like, that's essentially how you see it. They've
1: played this thing out to where it's like, you are our servants. You listen to us because we're the government. Exactly. And
0: when I read that, I was like, uh, oh, F you, buddy. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not your servant. You know, let's remember who elected you and who can kick you out. So, yeah. you know, know your place here, bud. But yeah, when I, when I read that, I was just like, wow, that poor choice of words. But, um... Paxton said that in his lawsuit that Austin and Travis County officials insist that they will continue enforcing their, their business and face mask requirements despite the fact that the executive order nullified these provisions, adding, defendants know this is wrong. The Supreme Court of Texas recently overturned defendants' last attempt to undermine Governor Abbott's emergency orders in such a manner. He says, we, should, we expect the same results this time. Uh, Then you have Travis County Judge Andy Brown said on Thursday that he will continue to listen to our public health authority, medical professionals and the CDC who have consistently said mass save lives. He called it unfortunate that the attorney general is once again failing to make the health of our community his priority. And then you have Austin Mayor Steve Adler indicated on Twitter that he and Brown will challenge the lawsuit we will fight to defend and enforce public health guidance," he wrote. "Masks save life." And then one comment that I found funny from Biden is he says uh, that he thinks that this is Neanderthal thinking <laughs> to believe in the in the meantime everything is fine and take off your mask. Well,
1: I mean to add that, like, I'm curious what's going on in Austin when somebody posts something like this because, like, last night I was just couldn't sleep. And I got on Facebook, i scrolling around and I follow mayor Nuremberg yeah, just Facebook to see helps like,
0: when you can't sleep. Right.
1: Uh, you find some interesting things at 3am on Facebook, <laughs> but, uh, I followed Nuremberg cause I was like, I, oh, he is the mayor of the city. I follow local politics because that affects what happens to me. And a lot of times, like when he was posting things on there about the pandemic, like a year ago or not a year ago, but like six months ago about it. And, He's a, dem- he's an, in- he's a Democrat. Uh, he says he's an independent, but he is, he, yeah, you sure. look at what he does. He follows all the left side. Um, and when he was posting things that went along with that agenda, people praised it and, and on a pretty large scale saying four to one, four people agreed one would disagree. Mm-hmm. But last night he said one thing on there is like wearing a mask means wearing your mask over your nose or something to that effect. And he was just getting destroyed. On a four to one, the other way of people are just like, uh, it's my choice of how I, if and how I want to wear a mask, I don't care. Like stop trying to enforce me. We're not sheep or like everybody was going against him in a very large margin and not very many people were in there trying to defend him. to where it's like the tide has now switched and gone the other direction. Mm-hmm. it was like, and a lot of people are saying like, I can't wait for this year's election or next year elections to vote you out. Uh, a lot of people were in there talking about Brock who's going to be running against him and like a lot of support was going the other direction. I was like, man, it's about time to see on the public platform like Facebook where people are finally coming out and being like, yeah, I'm done with this crap. Like I'm done believing in this. Uh, the, or I mean, to the point we're talking about the cancel culture where people are starting to have backbones, you've pushed enough to where I think the silent majority is finally coming out and be like, dude, I'm not going to stay silent anymore. I'm over this crap. I'm done. Yeah. I'm going to start speaking out against it. And I'm curious if that's what's happening in Austin as well. And like the government's trying to enforce things and people are like, nah. And I'm curious, like what would happen? So how are they enforcing this thing? Oh, you still have the fines. Who's going to find you And the city comes out and finds you. But then if you tried to challenge that in court, the law is going to go to the governor. You would lose that lawsuit in a heartbeat or that mandate. So. I'm curious like how that's gonna play out and what's gonna play out of that, uh, and how long it's gonna well, go on.
0: The Austin officials they were saying that uh, if somebody's at your store or your place of business and they're not wearing a mask and you're asking them to put a mask and they won't, that you you need to call the cops and have the cops handle that. That then the cops are gonna come in and take care of the person that's not wearing a mask. So I mean what can you okay, you can force them to leave. Pretty it's like, that's, that's, it.
1: Like you just go to leave. Like, it's so, okay. Nothing really changes or anything. Yeah. Um, well,
0: and then you also have now like, uh, San Antonio is, uh, you have Wolf from San Antonio talking about that with government, having executive order issued last week because of the decision demanding masks will still lie with the business, with the business and not government. The order says business must post their COVID-19 protocols in a visible location. So this is the workaround that San Antonio is coming up with. We are not telling them what to do because we cannot tell them what to do. But many businesses will require a face mask, Wolf said. We think it's important to the person coming to the business to know whether they're entering a safe environment or not and let them make the decision. So they're already labeling it. If they don't have that thing, then you're telling your customers that they're not entering a safe environment. Well,
1: I mean, one thing that wins my business over is a new gas station to a San Antonio quick trip. I was in there yesterday and I looked around. I was like, they don't have any signs on the windows. And I walked in and like, I, had, um, I put a mask on just because you like, like, feel like you're gonna be shamed if you don't have it. And I looked over, saw one of the employees not wearing it. I was like, him right took it off. And I asked him when I got there. So like, is quick trip, not enforcing the laws. And he goes, it's like, no, they're not. It's like, they're leaving on the individual. If they want to wear a mask, they can wear a mask, but we're not going to force you to do it. And I was like, well, I'd expect that out of a company based out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, they're a Southern company and they're not enforcing masks. to me. I'm like, well, I'm gonna, if I need gas and I'm going to go to a quick trip, like I'm going to go that route. Cause if I'm going to go inside and I don't want to wear a mask. And it's like, uh, you know what if there's a quick trip near here and there's a Valero across the street and they require a mask, like I'm gonna go to Quick Trip. Right. To where it's and, and then now that and, and you, the you have the
0: right though. You have the right to the choose. Like, the I mean, it's like that's it, it. it's a choice. It's something that I find crazy that that's what they're being upset with, you know, and it's like, look, if you don't feel safe, one, don't go out. Two, I don't know, wear two, three, four masks. However many, put a freaking bubble over your head. Like Whatever makes you feel safe. You understand? Yeah. You're. We go back to what we were saying. You are responsible for your own life. Nobody else is. Yeah. Well, and then in the wake of all this thing, uh, I have an article
1: in here that San Antonio positivity rate continues to drop. Mm-hmm. And reported at lowest it has been ever, ever been. Like, so as of Tuesday morning, the positivity rate in San Antonio is at 2.6%. So Aww. only 2.6% of the people showing up are testing positive. They started tracking this last year. The current percentage is well below the community goal of 5% putting our risk level at low. The positivity rate was at 11.6% last April and has reached as high as 24% in July. Mayor Ron Nuremberg said these numbers are a, are a step in the right direction, but it has continued to trend this way. The backlash on Facebook, the mayor got from, um, uh, and I mentioned like the backlash he's getting, from posting things like you still need to wear masks, like you still have to cover up constantly. And it's like, at what rate? So it has to be zero. Yeah, like, it's never going to be zero. You're never going to eradicate this. Like, it's, it's a virus. It's going to grow on like the seasonal flu. Yeah. And we have a shot against it that people are going to get. But it's like the politics behind it, because that's what the agenda is currently using to get the things that they want to get done legislatively. And like, at what point, like 2.6%, like how low do you need it? And they're all saying, you need to get rid of all the masks. You need to do what you, or keep all the masks, keep all these restrictions, keep all the shutdowns down. And then, but I just go back to it. Like New York, California, Texas, and Florida, look at their numbers, look at their death rates and completely polar opposites of how they've handled this thing. As far as mask mandates, shutdowns and how their business was conducted over their overall economies. Numbers are relatively the same. Yeah. And it's like, so obviously shutdowns, mask mandates uh, to that extreme and keeping everybody shut down didn't stop the spread at all. And our economies are open. What did change, though, is we don't have near the exodus of people leaving and wealth leaving. We don't have the suicide rate increase, the domestic violent domestic violence increases. We don't have kids that have been homeschooled and the level of depression spiking and going nuts. Like those other places have, because like the they people aren't isolated here. Nope. They're able to free move around. And I've talked to several people, like I'm working with somebody moving to Cal, uh, from California to here. And he's like, dude, it's ridiculous. Like I can't get out of this state fast enough because, <laughs> and just because like, it's like, it's, they're, they're tired of it. And like how like so many people and down to the kids are being affected and nobody wants to talk about that
0: it is i don't know i think people are it, what i find a pretty frustrating and annoying is the level of hypocrisy that you see even across the politicians themselves how bad this is and everything and how many times are they being caught like in large groups of people not wearing a mask not social distancing you know doing all the same shit they pushing everybody else to do um, even with the same people that are complaining bitching and moaning about the mask and everything, yet when you see them out and about sometimes like their mask is below their nose or they, like my whole thing is like, guys, like live your life. take responsibility for your own life, take responsibility for your own health. You understand like y- that's all it is. You understand yeah. this whole thing of trying to push it on people, force people, shame people. Just because they want to live their life the way they want to live. Like you can tell that the way, and this is what I find crazy about politicians when they criticize Greg Abbott, right? They, they say, oh, he's, he doesn't give a damn about the people. He doesn't care about this. He, I'm sorry, but like all of California's moving to Texas. Well, it's also one of the things like, obviously people still like
1: Abbott considering the last when he got voted back in, it was like 70% of the voters voted for him. Yeah. It was something It was a huge no, margin. I'm not form. even saying
0: that I'm saying the fact that this, I'm not saying that like what people like, what I'm saying is that his way of doing it has made Texas the strongest state that there, that has been, you yeah. understand that it has made it where it's attracting some of the largest businesses, the pay, uh, largest capital or largest, uh, What
1: was an article I had last week, like most commercial of most commercial projects in the nation, as far as starts in 2020, like in a middle of a pandemic year and like Texas was the top by a large margin. Like it wasn't just small of like how much capital was being deployed in Texas for commercial projects and development.
0: And and you look at the economy in Texas, you look at how well Texas has been doing and everything that's because of their policies. You understand? It's not because, you know, it's hot as hell here in the summer. Like, Texas is strong because of its policies. It allows businesses to work. It allows people. Weather. Yeah, it allows people to live their lives. You know what I mean? Like, Texas is was uh, a very free state, which is what's attracting yeah. so many people. So when you're talking about all the stuff that Abbott is doing wrong, I look at it just numbers wise. I'm like, I don't see what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't either. Know. And like now, I I still don't know is HEB requiring masks or not? I don't know. I don't uh, Walmart's requiring it. h g b cause know. like I have an article in here, like HEB workers rally demand, supermarket chain, enforce mask policies. As a worker at H-E-B are demanding their employer employer enforce the mask policy in its stores, workers and members of the community across Texas will make calls to H-E-B corporate leader in San Antonio starting Tuesday morning. The chain chain delivered a statement this past week that it will continue to require customers wear masks in their stores, but workers and community members are concerned H-E-B stores won't be enforced Enforce the policy. They fear that will leave workers vulnerable to COVID
0: nineteen.
1: Yeah. Uh, so like, I'm I'm curious, like H, because I remember they weren't requiring them for a long time because of the hostility of before the governor came out and made masks uh, masks mandated like in last July. That the hostility that people were getting and the pushback they were getting, like their their people, uh, their workers, like people, customers were going in there and were just pissed that they're like, no, I'm not wearing it. And the altercations they were having, they're like, we're not going to put that on our people to try to force the customers. Everyone, our employees can wear them. We're going to have that, but people, customers, we can't, we're not going to try to enforce it. So I'm curious what that's going to be this go around.
0: Yeah. I just find it interesting that, you know, they say uh, the workers are complaining about it because I mean, I've been to HUB, I don't go that much, but I've been to two B quite a few times and I, I i've seen people without masks and i don't see anybody saying anything caring the employees are oblivious of everything that's going around them like who's the one that's complaining about this uh, that's or is it a, one of those general statements that somebody said something and all of a sudden they're like employees across the board period well it's like look who controls <laughs> the media it's just like
1: that. The, there's a legislative agenda, yeah, tied to this, and money that's behind it, and they control such a vast majority of today's media. It's like so one person, as long as they, it's, as long as it's in agreement with the current political climate and agenda being pushed, you'll get publicity, no matter how yeah. many people are actually behind it, because they try to enforce and make it seem like that is what it is. Yeah. And like they make themselves seem bigger, but when you like lift the sheets, it's like, oh, I thought you were some big scary monster, but it's like you're three people. Exactly, um, and that's making where, a lot of noise. And that's when I saw on Facebook last night. I was like, oh, okay, so seeing the way people were responding in Nuremberg, and then and it wasn't just the mask mandate either. It was about this passing of this legislation for this massive stimulus package. That he put on there like, oh, it's going to be such a great thing for San Antonio. It should be a win for America, a win for Texas, a win for San Antonio. And again, three to one, four to one, people were not happy with it. And they looked up their own facts about it. And they realized you have something in here. I know you had it earlier about the breakdown of like how much extra stuff that doesn't relate to politics have in here. So it's going to be very interesting to see. And because I know the call it like a a, a votorama that. They tried not necessarily to hold up the legislation because I think the Republicans knew that it wasn't going to get passed or they, it was going to get passed. But they made them vote on amendments to come out and say, where do you stand on this? Where do you stand on that? Like gearing up for these next midterm elections in 2022 because, I mean, they're, they're going to use this. And I have several articles like this is a, a hinging point that it's like, was this the right move or not? And the 2020 midterms are what's at stake. Like if now the Republicans take it over, like they did after I read an article, um, when Obamacare was rolled out, apparently like the, I didn't realize it, but the Democrats had a super majority. They had 60 senators is what you need to get any legislation passed. And they had the same thing in the house to where they could get in really anything they wanted to pass. And that's how they got Obamacare passed. I was too young and too oblivious to this stuff to really understand what was going on. He's like, but that next midterm election was the worst or I don't know the worst, the best, I don't know, but it was the most seats flipped in a single election cycle where the like senators were like we lost like like eight people who got fired from it and then the house was lost and then the senate was taken back uh, shortly after and then the trump the uh, in 2016 so we're like that rollout it's like and how that happened it's like yeah they people did not agree with it and they lost complete control from the policies they passed. and that's what they're talking about this legislation is like come midterms you're going to see who really wanted this and who didn't realize it. And who was just going after the $1,400 check. Like, well, $1,400. Okay. We'll go ahead and sign that. And now there's $1.9 trillion. And you see all the foreign aid, all the blow, all the extra stuff that went into it. And you're like, wait a minute, I just paid $1,400, but now I got to pay $5,000 back in taxes. You raised my taxes. Like that didn't work.
0: Wait, Uh, what? Not, not just taxes, but everything is going to go up because the, the, uh, what was it since since this whole the pandemic started, where are we? Like five and a half or six trillion dollars has been put into the economy so far, just since the pandemic started. So that money needs to go somewhere. Like it can't just stay in the air. The money is gonna, it, it, well, it's already going into assets, right? We're seeing the stock market hitting all time highs. We're seeing um real estate market is booming. All of these things, like it's starting to inflate. Gas prices are going up a lot. Yeah, I mean, we went up what like fifty cents in a few in a matter of a few weeks, you yeah, know, so it's,
1: it's over two and a half it's, bucks now, so whoa, yeah,
0: so you're looking at it it's It's already affecting it, and to your point, what you said, what is you know, who is going to be right after all this is said and done? The issue I have with that question is that the same with what we talked about with the Federal Reserve, they change what right means, mm-hmm. you understand because then you talk about. You know, when the, when this all comes, when they want to spin it, they have people that can spin it. And they'll spin it in the way that's like the economy can be booming. Everybody could be fine. But then they're going to be like, yeah, but look at this way all the way over here. That's what really mattered. Yeah. That wasn't the measure before, you know, and they keep moving that and they keep changing that. So and I what, think they're always going to pivot. Like
1: their, their target is like, it's no longer the unemployment. It's like the, the unemployment. unemployment, huh? Employment. And they're looking at employment of minorities. And yeah. women, I was like, so that's a number you're trying to affect by monetary and fiscal policy. Like, that's going to be interesting how that see how that plays out. But it's also one of the things we talked about. Like, they're trying to find the most vaguest rule that they can follow to pump as much money as they want to in the economy to erase a lot of this well, debt. Let, let's or talk this about. Reset.
0: We have a massive issue that's education, right? Education is a big problem in this country, especially for minorities, and for people that are below the poverty line. Yeah. So if you're using that as a gauge for employment, that is giving you essentially the right to print as much money as you want, yeah. because the chances of that hitting any kind of decent level, it's going to be pretty damn difficult yeah. because you have a lot of these people that are severely undereducated. They have no skills that, are, that people can pay anything for. You understand? So it's like, why why worry about, you know, how much money you're printing, because that's not gonna help anything. Why not worry more about setting a goal of how are these people being educated? How are, are they being given tools and abilities and, and education to be able to get a job, to be able to yeah. get something worth anything, right? So it, it, Yeah. Uh, who
1: who knows where it's gonna go and where it's gonna lead? But on the topic of printing all this money and you see it flowing into assets, I got something that's fun. Uh, have you re- really heard much about
0: non-fungible tokens? NFTs. Oh, NFTs, yes. Yeah. yeah. Have
1: you followed much of that? Like, I haven't heard about it until this year, but now that's one of the things that's really kind of blown up, like yep. what's happening with that. So for those of you that don't know, an NFT stands for non-fungible token. So it's allowing you to basically monetize something involved in like the blockchain and sell the ownership of that and solidify that you own a piece of that, making it an asset things that weren't assets before, or basically how I think about like the stock market. Where before ETFs were created, uh, you had to buy an entire company stock, mutual or a mutual fund, and you had to pay uh, full price and like fractional shares. But now you can buy a piece of a mutual fund instead of paying, or like Brookshire Hathaway. I mean, I think that's the most expensive stock in the stock market, at like $350,000 for one share of their Class A stock. Nobody, (laughs) your average individual could not afford 350 grand to buy that. But with today with fractional shares and a lot of these platforms that have coming out, I can now afford to buy $10 worth of a class a share because it's, it's fractional. So now allows access to people and more liquidity to that, to where you can now take these non fungible tokens and really create assets to things that you couldn't before. And an example being like this cup that say one time was proven was rank out of like like John Lennon or somebody like that. And it's proven certified. You're like, well, before you had to go to an auction house and you had to sell that thing and whoever had the money millions of dollars to buy that thing could buy that. But now these fractional tokens, they turn ownership into pretty much stock like stock markets. I can own $10 worth of that $60 million piece, creating a massive amount of liquidity to it to where uh, your boy, uh, Rob Gronkowski is creating his own NFT uh, for his Super Bowl highlights. So the National Football League tight end par- partnered with a non-fungible tokens marketplace OpenSea to release five digital trading cards featuring Super Bowl moments. The NFTs will feature Gronkowski's career highlights and are designed by virtual art studios Black Mondre. He referenced Mark Cuban's endorsement of NFTs as another reason he wanted to enter the space. The digital collectibles are tied to a blockchain, a digital ledger similar to the blockchains used for digital currencies like Bitcoin. This effectively gives each NFT a unique and non-hackable certificate of authenticity. Gronkowski is just the latest. Notable name to jump on the NFT trend. For example, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey is selling his first tweet as an NFT, which bids as high as $2.5 million. Taco Bell even joined the trend this week, selling a digital work of art featuring tacos. So it's like, With all this money printing out here, what do you think about this space and what it can do to non-tangible assets like trading cards? Uh, I remember like uh, Pet David talked about that, that they were buying pieces of like a Wayne Gretzky card that was selling for millions of dollars. Like it's held in one location, the physical card, but now who owns that is tied to this huge blockchain ledger.
0: I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. Um, I feel like you're going to be... It just brings me back to what we talked about before, tulip mania, right? Where you're going to have things severely overpriced and overvalued just because it has great marketing behind it, or you have Gronkowski sponsoring it, or you know whatever other celebrity is doing it, because a lot of celebrities are getting into these as well. So I think it's going to be creating assets that... Are not well. Let's define well, define, an, define an, well. Define
1: an asset as long as somebody believes it's an asset. Gold is an asset because people believe gold has a value
0: to it. So you have these rare trading cards that no. I understand the difference is that you have, and, and I agree. Like I, I, that's why I say I have mixed feelings about this because then at the same time it's something that's like oh, it just opens up more avenues for diversification for investing. Maybe you know. I, I mean. It's an interesting market for sure. Uh, I don't know what the implications are going to be of something like this, you know, moving forward. But I mean, it's very interesting. It's also an
1: unregulated space, but now the government's like coming in like, whoa, what is this thing going on? And it's like, well, that's what happens when you pump trillions of dollars in an economy, just give helicopter money away to everybody, no chain that don't need it. It's like you have these fictitious things that just appear uh like GameStop and AMC like when they're armed with like Reddit and social media and everybody's got $600 and you don't have to buy a full share you can buy $10 of that share well, I
0: remember we tried to do that with real estate uh, a few years back that we were having a little issue because of all the regulations with SEC and everything yeah but we were doing the same thing we we owned real estate and you're able to buy shares of the real estate that we own. You get participate in the cash flow. Yeah, and the, you, uh, what, you, everything, get, the you get on the appreciation, the cash flow that it generated. You instead of having to put up two hundred grand or whatever it is to buy a house or your credit or anything, all you have to do is buy a share of the property that's already cash flow, it's already being managed, it's already being taken care of. You diversify your risk because you don't have to put that much into it, you know. And well, you, you can essentially
1: trade that, and that's what these this this. NFTs are doing. It's like, yeah. it's allowing people to trade these things to certain values yeah. where I agree that it's, it's going to create all kinds of bubbles. It's new. It's crazy. Like, just like Bitcoin shot through the roof, then it crashed. So yeah. You're going to have a lot of people that are, there's perceived value just because it's being talked about. But when it's not being talked about, it's just going to fall through the floor but uh well, just new it, things that are coming out but like you have the things that are already tried and true ash, uh assets like you you have the the paintings is the one that comes to me comes to mind yeah. like you have these uh, Picasso paintings that are worth millions of dollars and they create NFTs that are held in museums to raise capital they diversify
0: the ownership of it and then they can sell pieces My of it I think it's like how does this not cause a bubble because before why you know all these things had value and stuff like that because very few people out of the global population could afford to buy a 50 million dollar painting or yeah. a 200 million or 2 million dollar uh, trading card or whatever the hell they are right uh, very few people had it so it wouldn't you know they wouldn't be going up that much because it's from one owner to the next one on one like you only have a certain amount of people doing that but now you're making it so everybody and anybody can get into it so that car that last year sold for maybe a million dollars, I think could sell probably for 10, $12 million. Well, that's what I was thinking this. about
1: this morning is like you provide that kind of liquidity opportunity. It's going to increase assets. There's going to be booms and busts for sure. There's going to be certain things that are like, Oh my God, this thing's worth so much and it falls through the floor, but it's going to create this new market space to where all these things are tokenized, where if you can become a expert in certain things, there's a huge opportunity in that space because you look at the stock market, like back in the 1900s, not anybody could get into it. And as time went on and then it's like, Oh, well now we got these brokerage houses. Oh, now we have these 401ks that put money into these things for retirement. Individual people with Robinhood can now get in with 10 bucks with that increased liquidity and that increased access. You're going to make it like, and money is going to find its way into these things. And when you pump this kind of additional money into the market, you're going to create all kinds of new asset classes and you're going to create value and create wealth inside those. So I think there's a huge opportunity in that space. If you can understand it and a lot of it's going to be just making just, I mean, what's investing, it's making educated bets that something's going to happen yeah, of where you can make educated bets on these certain things that I think you're as this liquidity happens more and there's more success stories and more news coverage around it. It's going to bring more money into the space that there's going to be a lot of wealth and a lot of opportunity created in those spaces. But you do have to watch it, not just and educate yourself on it, not just jump on it. Because I can only imagine the amount of fraud. It's like, okay, I have this trading, it's Wayne Gretzky trading card, and I'm an individual, I'm tokenizing it and now. Everybody owns it. And then all of a sudden, you disappear with the actual card. So it's like, well, I own a piece of it, but nobody knows where the actual original is anymore.
0: Like it's just gone. So, Yeah, you'll know who the owner
1: is, but like, but the actual piece, like the actual physical thing, is gone. Yeah, I, I know it's separate, but then it's like, what's stopping that person from going and trying to so sell the, wh- the card on. back door?
0: You're saying it's separate, so right? Yeah. But the NFT is digital, but the the card itself is why that's valued. So the so if. I, that's what I said. It's a whole space of just like
1: how is that going to play out? Because I agree, you have the digital aspect I, of a card.
0: Explain what he said because the, the mic doesn't pick him up.
1: Well, it's like it, it is separate. It's like you have the physical card, then you have the NFT to the card, and that NFT is ownership. But that NFT so is a
0: derivative of the card.
1: Yeah, there you go. Uh, it's it's a it's a derivative of the product of like who actually owns that so you could have this card you can create an NFT now against it a lot more and, that, and that NFT can trade back and forth with people because it's the NFT says you own this card but then it's also like but it's still based on the actual thing
0: so, like, so that NFT gets created based on that card right A digital NFT gets created people are buying shares of that that card burns in a fire that NFT still has value yeah a uh, perceived value Yeah. Well, that's history is like the card burned, but people still think this
1: card, this NFT has value because wow. it's tied to that card that burned down in this certain aspect of it. So that's where it's like, it's crazy to some of the stuff, but also you have digital assets, like what Gronkowski's creating is <laughs> it's a video of his highlights and then it's who owns it. Tour, it's like okay, it's but I, I don't get like I get that aspect that you're saying your highlight video you created, but I can get online and watch it.
0: There's just simply too much money in the market. There there to for this kind of shit to be invented, and it to get this level of uh of buyers into it and everything. I mean, to me, this is just beyond stupid as far as an investment. But that's goes. what I said. Like, there, there's certain but things that are going to be good. Not not to say that. You shouldn't do it. I'm just saying as far as what and we go back to the same shit that we talked about before. It's like we used to always think two plus two equaled four. And now it's like you said, it, well, it depends what one of the twos identify as. Right. Because like it doesn't equal four anymore. Now it equals like it's subjective. Yeah, what because that equals. I so think then there's going to be
1: a huge opportunity for some of these like authentic real places providing liquidity and access to assets that weren't able to trade before like fine art um, bottles of wine, certain things that like somebody owns and, but you couldn't buy that unless you had $60 million to buy the thing. But now somebody can buy it, like say a company that is in charge of security for these style of assets. They buy them for 10 million and then they go ahead and sell them for 20 million, essentially flipping the ownership of that and allowing these things, trade back and forth and facilitate the trading of these things because one of the, um, another thing, what, I don't know who this is. Beeple, uh, Beeply, beep, He's a digital artist and he fetches more than $60 million for one of his pieces of art at auction. But when you add in all of everything closes and you add all the auction fees and everything involved, the real price was 69 million. So there's a lot of extra give in there that a company is allowed in facilitating these transactions.
0: Well, that, that's the thing that, you know, and we won't get into too much detail on this because I, I still have more research to do on it, but uh, you heard of SPACs? Yeah. Uh, so you have the special purpose acquisition companies, yeah. is what they call it. I'm so really that, company, that company goes public and it gives them the right to acquire other companies so then they don't have to go through the process of going public, but they will trade publicly through yeah. that they particular basically, like, you company basically
1: raise a blank checkbook it's like hey our anticipation is to go like you said buy companies then bring them public underneath our umbrella our conglomerate so we're going to sell this theory that we're going to go do this this business model without actually doing the business model first it's an idea we're going to go raise 100 million 200 300 million dollars of shares betting on my, our company's ability to be able to go and execute and do that. Yeah, because then
0: you have like six months or a year or something, depending on what it is, to acquire companies. Yeah. Right? So, well, with that being said, where I'm going at more with this is that you, they are excluding the big players that get paid a lot of money to take you public. Right. So when a company wants to go public, they got to hire some kind of entity, you know, some kind of bank or something Investment to take, a, to, yeah, yeah, to take them public. It. And it costs, I believe they were saying like somewhere between like, you know, six to ten million dollars for that process alone. Now you're pretty much saying that you're, you're taking their money out of their pocket and then you go to the NFTs and you're essentially creating assets out of thin air. With no backing, no value, no nothing. Just somebody says, "Hey, look, this is valuable, right?" And everybody's like, "Yeah, I agree." So let's all buy into it. Okay, now it became valuable. Yeah, you understand. It's, so it's, what now is it?
1: it's worth whatever somebody's willing to pay
0: for so it. So how much money is that going to take from the stock market? How much money is that going to take from people getting into the stock market? Right, because now this is becoming the NFT is becoming very popular. Yeah, and as we saw with GameStop with Robinhood. People invest in what's popular, not what makes sense. People are investing in what's trending, not the fundamentals. So fundamental investing, smart investing, all the shit that we grew up knowing. are changing the rules. It, it's the games, completely out the window. I mean, now you go for, hold on, now you go for what's trending. So if you're going for what's trending and this is trending, this is going to pull attention. This is going to pull money and uh, future money from the stock market, which is used to pay for you know, everything, social security, all the shit that they're trying to raise money for, the 401ks, all that crap, you know, it's going to start pulling money tremendously from that. If they allow this to pick up, you know, you have uh, SPACs that are bringing more and more companies public without paying the dues on the investment banks and, every, and all these people. So yeah. it's going to start hurting their stock prices. I mean, I'm curious as to how, if they're going to allow this to happen, you understand? Oh, how it's going to modify to happen.
1: Well, I mean, capital that's a pricing model put in here like blockchain technology is is breaking new grounds there are countries where titles to real property are recorded on a blockchain and i think that's fantastic that I don't have to like right now we have a problem to where it we were trying to close on a property and it took because of the storm we had here and the entire company is based here in Texas, everything got shut down. It took us two and a half weeks to get a, a title commitment because they had to go in and do all the research, do all the backtracking and stuff like that. So it just took time to where um, he also put, puts in here, the push of innovation in financial technology arises out of reducing friction costs and, Intermediation while moving away from fiat currencies. So, I think there's a lot of good that's going to come out of this, but there's going to be a lot of pain that comes out of this because title companies, title insurance would oh, yeah. almost be essentially eliminated because if you can curate the title one time, enter it on a blockchain, it transfers over. Somebody always holds that insurance policy when it started, but now you just go on a blockchain, and say, who owns this property? Boom, nothing there, gone, done. Or you can just almost instantaneously remove that friction and systemize and in, reduce costs, which would make prices increase because more money can now get into it. And that's where I think a lot of this is going toward the old traditional model. Like the, the fundamentals we talk about, like the PE ratios. Cause if you read uh, Benjamin <laughs> Graham's uh, intelligent investor, he's like, Oh, nothing over uh, P ratio 15, anything over that is overvalued. Right. I was like, well, that was also written in what the sixties and seventies, like our, Asset values, the amount of money chasing that PE ratio is up tenfold, 20 fold from that time frame to where you now have to adjust that and you have to pay attention of what's going on. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity, but there's also going to be a lot of risk and a lot of pain going with it to where it, it kind of comes down to like, don't put all your eggs in one basket kind of ordeal. Like don't bet the house on one thing. You hear stories all the time of somebody saying like, uh, uh a family out of, New Jersey took their entire net worth in their 60s and put it in Bitcoin when it was at twenty thousand dollars, and now they feel they're the richest in the world. But they refuse to diversify against it because their net worth has now doubled, uh, two and a half times what it was when they first bought into it. Their entire oh. net worth. Where it's like, God, you just you put one thing, one bet on one thing, and you hope that that goes to the moon because if it doesn't, you're really going to be paying, you're paying for it. And especially on something as new as Bitcoin, like you can play in this space, but don't say I'm going to bet significant portions of my net worth on this one thing, like these Gronkowski NFT cards. I think this is going to go to the moon. I'm going to put all of my, 80% of my net worth into that one card like or one NFT. It's like a lot in a newfound space.
0: Well, Val said in here, you know, I think along the lines of, If everything is worth something, then nothing will be worth anything, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I get what she's saying, and it does make sense because it's just to a point where it's like, you know, I believe, again, this is going to be something that a lot of people are going to get behind. It's going to form massive bubbles in a lot of areas, and while it... To your point, yes, it's going to be extremely beneficial for people. But I think the majority of people are going to be getting screwed left and right because of massive, you know, dumps, uh, fake pumps and all these things, you know, because it's just. Well, it's also one of the things like you think about how the Federal Reserve
1: stops recessions. They pump market money into stock markets and uh, um public markets. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of these aren't quote unquote public markets that the feds directly attached to, to where, where these things become dangerous is when people start borrowing debt to buy these things and then things crash. And then it's like the feds like, well, we can't come in and buy these NFTs. We've never had any systems set up for that. That was one of the issues that happened in 2008 and why this round of the recession in, um, in 2020 like how the fed was able to stop it and increase it and reverse it so fast because i don't know there's a i don't know if you listen to him much anymore uh, you didn't like the guy because he's too monotone but the money for the rest of us he did a segment on like how close the financial system was in march to absolutely completely collapsing across the board not just one asset of bonds no the entire financial system was on the verge of completely collapsing and it because, of, uh, because it goes into the examples of like how many things were going non-bid because everybody was selling and nobody was buying right. and uh, the, how that repercussions went through, but the Fed was able to step in because of what happened in 2008 and the access in the avenues to markets that were created from 2008. That helped backstop this one. But now you have these things creating that they have no avenue to inject cash into or if these assets start rising up and being significant pieces of wealth, they can bring an entire market down.
0: You know, this kind of just makes me think of something that, you know, and I would like to get everybody's feedback on this and your feedback. Based on this, if you are an investor right now looking at sound, logical investments, you're an idiot. Stop doing it. Stop looking for sound investments. Stop looking for smart investments. Look for the craziest shit you can possibly think of and invest in that. that. Better than all of them. That seems to be the play for the Federal Reserve, for the government, for people, for the stock market. It's just getting to a point like I'm reevaluating everything that we're doing. I'm just thinking, you know, yeah, we're we're still doing things apparently the old way where we feel that there needs to be value and you need to actually make money. But it doesn't seem like that's the path anymore. It's just we're going about it the wrong way. We just need to say, Hey, this is really cool, guys. Put money here. Okay, there we go. We just became yeah. billionaires in two seconds. Like, I'm not well, trying to be cynical about it, but it's just you, when you grew up studying so much on the economics and finances and everything, and you see the shit that's happening now, you're like. Well, it's like every time there's a major shift, it's
1: happened throughout history that there's great opportunity, but great risk. And you have to be intelligent. You have to study, And it's one of those things like history never repeats itself, but it rhymes where you really got it. You can adapt, but don't be too fast to adapt because yes, the news is going to grab a hold of the one, two, three percent that took massive bets and made out large. Yeah. And then the masses are going to follow. So you have to watch out for that. You can adjust slowly, but don't jump too early when you don't have the backing to lose it all. Because it's a rich over get rich overnight kind of thing like the dot com bubble, like where companies were just raising crazy money on crazy valuations when they literally did nothing because it was new, it was cute, it was hot. And then everything crashed Cause I think what the, the the stock market fell three years in a row. Like two thousand uh, 2000, 2001 thousand two thousand one it had it was falling yeah. year over year. Because these things happen. So I think we're in one of those transition periods that like, Oh, the Gary V. What do you call it? Like the internet 2.0 to so where like connectivity to where you're hearing things, the article that I found beforehand, we now like, uh, people are making arguments that the internet should be a right much like electricity is to people mm-hmm. and be heavily regulated and try to get it into more hands of people. So where these things are going to happen and things are moving quicker and faster and it is more there's more opportunity than there ever was before but there's more risk involved than there ever was before so you really got to pick and choose what you're doing and do it as you like you said like you have to reevaluate what you're currently doing but don't follow the headlines you try to read in between the lines and try to learn from what's happened in the past and see where things are going and diversify across things like don't just like bet on the craziest thing it's like bet on 10 crazy things on a 1% of your net worth allocation. 10% of your net worth is still all the, all these crazy things, but make sure you're not just putting money in it because it's hot, Put money in it because you understand it. You think you have a grasp of it. You follow it. You listen to it. You listen to podcasts. You dig into that article, like just throwing money all over the place. Like that's a quick, sure way to go broke
0: or just go on TikTok and find whatever's gotten the most hearts and buy that. This is crazy. This is oh, i, I yeah, find yeah. it to be very crazy um that being said at the end of the day you can't be emotional you know if the shit makes sense and if that's where it's going that's where it's going and either you jump on board or if you stay on the sidelines being appalled by all the changes and how stupid this is you're just it's gonna pass you right by you know so it's like at the end of the day you can be as emotional as you want but the only one that's gonna lose is you because the world is going to keep going. It's going to keep turning and doing what it needs to do. So, I don't know. Uh, very interesting. Very interesting topics. But as we begin to wrap up, um, I just uh, put a little fun article in here that I think is going to piss off a lot of people. Oh, jeez. But. Uh, you just like making people mad. No, this is serious. Netflix is testing a crackdown on password sharing. <laughs> Yeah, man. Oh, God, no. This is serious. That was was
1: like, what was that meme I remember seeing a while back? I was like, Who's your real, hom- like, here's to the homie. Who's got the Netflix account. Like they're like, it was a meme of just like you, the real MVP, <laughs> the guy that pays for it and shared it across 10 people across there. Like, yeah, I've never paid for Netflix. And like, like even in college, I remember like one person had, like I, we had a pretty large social group yeah. of friends in the rugby team. We were a part of, we probably had 30, 40, 50 guys, but only like every had, everyone had Netflix, but only like three people paid for it. Yeah. Uh, like it just spread like wildfire. So it, it's... Uh, so it it it's says,
0: the article says how if you don't live with the owner of this account, it, you're going to get an alert when you log into Netflix. It says if you don't live with the owner of this account, you need your own account to keep watching. So you're going to get that pop-up. My question is like, how do they know? You know like IP addresses. Yeah, oh. but how do they know that I don't live with that owner and that's just my work address or something else? Or maybe I'm just staying somewhere else for temporary, but I still live with that. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. But then Netflix spokesperson told Insider that says uh, it's designed to help ensure that people using Netflix accounts are authorized to do so. Uh-huh. okay Nobody's doing it behind anybody's back. We've all been given the passwords. Relax. you know nobody's yeah, change like your password on the Yeah, basis no, and, and you can get rid of that problem. Nobody is you know being so mischievous over here like stealing people's passwords for their Netflix. At least not most of the people. most of the people are being they're sharing the passwords. but uh, the Netflix uh, co-CEo Reed Hastings said in 2016 that password sharing is something you just have to learn to live with it's just going to be what it is with Netflix. Like people are just going to have it. So Bloomberg reported in 2019 that Netflix, HBO and a group of cable companies had formed a coalition to figure out consumer friendly ways to limit shared passwords like text codes or require periodic password changes. I mean, even that I still don't see how that's going to work because again, we're not, nobody's sharing the password with us that, you know, doesn't want us to have it. Yeah. So even if they're doing that, like you just text whoever has it, like, yeah, I'm about to log into Netflix. Can you send me the code they send you? You know what I mean? Like, or what is the, I mean, a lot of it I think is like FUBU TV or something like that. Only one person
1: can be logged in at one time on the account.
0: Yeah, so it's, well, like, that's one way it to used to it be, so a lot of them started like that and they started changing real quick because that just sucks. You know, like if you had, it, and it, it was the issue where if you were, let's say traveling for business, and you know your wife's at home and she's watching it and then you want to watch in the hotel room you can't yep it's like but i'm paying for it you know what i mean so they they disbanded that but that's what i find crazy with all this is that this is whole the whole movement of cut the cord right get rid of Directv, get rid of uh what was it, time warner cable and all that yeah, yeah, traditional cable and get depth, rid of it dish. because it's ridiculous it's so expensive it's stupid you're paying so much money now you're paying probably double that if you want to have the same kind of channels between, because now HBO max has it's certain shows. You have Netflix that has it's certain shows Hulu's theirs and YouTube TV with theirs and all this. So it's like, if you want to get what you used to get with one package, now you got to buy six different packages. You yeah. know what I mean? So what are people doing is they're they're alternating. They have family members that you have Hulu, you have well, Netflix, you have YouTube TV. Everybody shares a password. Well, it's and- also, it's
1: crazy too. And But what I do like about it is like, they're not contracts. They've gotten rid of the year-long contract locked in this thing. Where yeah. so it's like, I can buy it for once. Like when uh, Wonder Woman came out and like everything was shut down. If you went to saw Wonder Woman to a movie theater and you had a family of four, between popcorn, all that stuff, God, you're spending over a hundred over 100 bucks to go watch that movie. Oh, with HBO Max, it was $15.99, and I have it for a month, and I immediately cancel it. So, like, I just paid $15 for two people to watch the movie instead of going to the movie theater and paying $25 in my house, and I had cancel it right away. So you can pick and choose, like, a show came out. Oh, Ozark is a really cool show on Netflix. It really uh, wasn't. But oh, Go ahead. Yeah. And, well, their final season's coming out in March. like, all right, I'm going to sign up for Netflix, watch that one show, and then cancel it. So you can, See, you can you, you, jump on and off.
0: You are the problem with the industry. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Instead of, instead of. Rose so they Stone, don't release
0: the full season. They'll release some of it. So just like take TV. Well, just like TV. When it yeah. came out,
1: like when a Game of Thrones came out, they only released one episode on Sundays. They're like, yeah. you could only watch one at a time to where like now they're, they're doing releases to keep you in there longer and because they know smart. people are doing that. The but other
0: thing, thing I is- was thinking is like they could do, you know, when something hot like that, it's like, hey, you can get the app, but you're not going to get the show unless you subscribe for three months or for a minimum of six months. Then you can get that movie or that show, you know, like they'll find ways around it. But
1: oh, I agree. Well, another thing I think a lot of pressure is like if they can do that, like think about how much more money they're going to make. How much more yeah. profitable they would be by people not having to be able to have ten people in one account because it's also Netflix is what eleven ninety nine a month where that's not going to make or break well, a lot of people. They were
0: saying that, the, yeah, they're they're up in the price of Netflix.
1: Okay, but anyways, like that, that usually twenty bucks subscription isn't going to like, but use, that's like, somebody's the, but budget. that's the
0: issue though. That's where I'm going at is the whole cut the cord movement is that you're saying, uh, okay, what's twenty bucks? Well, Netflix is twenty. Then you have HBO Max, that's another 15. Then you have yeah. Hulu, that's oh, another, I, I, I don't know, 12, 15. Then you have YouTube, that's another, or no, YouTube TV is like 60 or 70 because you get like local channels, live TV. But like you have, when you start looking at, you know, for somebody that used to have, let's say, Direct TV and they had all the channels to get that same benefit, like you're, Before your DirecTV bill was 120. Now your Cut the Court bill is like 200. (laughs) Well, that's
1: also the thing. It's like like, that's capitalism as it's finest. It's no longer DirecTV and Time Warner. No, you got like. Fifteen companies and subscription services that you have to
0: subscribe to and, and they're all competing things, with each other and they're
1: all competing with each other yeah. like that's capitalism at its finest oh, right okay. there and, well, I, I, and I believe
0: it's like if it's getting too expensive stop watching so much damn TV I, I agree too
1: <laughs> one thing that's crazy though is I think it's driving a lot of this is like Netflix in specifically is Disney Plus's popularity like it took them 16 months it, their original projection was going to take them three years to get to 100 million subscribers they got hundred million subscribers in 16 months. Yeah. So we're like, that's insane. Or like the popularity of the competition of Disney being able to come out. But I think Disney has the runs they're running it at a negative because they have their other business models that are able to support them running out a negative to be able to take some of Disney or Netflix market share. Yeah. And they'll eventually, like you said, the cut the court thing, they're going to increase prices to make it profitable to where now you're going to be like, Oh my God, I have to pick and choose between these. Right, cause it's like, it, you're like to your point. Like I'm paying two hundred dollars in subscription services to seven different platforms because there's a show on each that I want to watch, and now they're all coming out and doing the. We only release an episode every two weeks, and it's got seventy five episodes across all the seasons. Yeah. We're like, oh, now I gotta watch it. So it's it'll be interesting to see how that plays out for sure. Yeah, but I agree. Cut the cord and just don't watch the. So and much H- TV. HBO Max is Read another
0: one that's really stepping it up as well because they're releasing some blockbuster movies. We're, you know, at the same time they're being released in theaters for the price of just the subscription. Yeah. Right. So if you're a person that likes to go to movies, HBO Max is a hell of a subscription to have for that purpose. Yeah. You be, know? And well, that's like,
1: also it's going to be competitive market and it's going to bring prices down because no longer. Hollywood has to release to movie theaters. Well, now they're striking deals with HBO and Hulu to release things on those platforms so people can choose. To where it's like, I got six kids. I'm not going to take all these people to the movies. Like, we'll wait till it comes out on DVD. But now they can pay a fraction of the cost, yep. which means they still have the movie theater now has to compete with that. To where like, I still enjoy going to the movie theaters, like the Palladium that has like the giant re- Cadillac recliner chairs. You have a wall in between you and the next uh, person. You have to buy two seats. You sit in them, oh, but you, right. you, the next person, you have a four foot wall that extends out four feet in front of you to where, like, you're, it's like a home theater with this recliner. You got push button service. I, I like don't think you're going there to, you. to
0: actually watch the movie, though.
1: <laughs> if you're uh, 16, you're not. Um, but it, it gives, hey, uh, it's a cool experience. At 30 years old, you're watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that experience. But if you, but it's more of a small, yeah. closed environment. And it's only like 35 bucks. But if you have more than three people, a family of four, you're not going to go spend that kind of money. So yeah. you're going to have to up the service at a cost that you have to now compete with of uh, people that like, okay, your target demographic is no longer the, how many seats can we jam into this room to where you, the point where you hate going to the movies. Cause you're like right next to each other and you can hear everybody in oh, front yeah, no. of you. And if you're a guy, that's uh, uh, somebody over 220 pounds, like you can't move across around in the movie theater like you got to take a piss in the middle of a three-hour movie and you're like piss those people off by going 10 seats that way or do i piss off these people going 10 seats that way yeah and because then you're like
0: i don't care about like, pissing people off i just care more about like everybody eating nachos as well wow. yeah, oh. i'm like dude we get it you're eating nachos and they're crunchy can you shut your mouth
1: yeah so it but, gets but annoying that's what i like about the movie theater because it like I, I, I like that atmosphere for like a big blockbuster movie like I when Infinity Wars and like the Avengers were really coming out with all their new movies like I loved going to the Palladium or the Alamo Draft House or a show that does it like that where it's a it's a Cadillac style experience. Yeah. So like you we don't go to the movies that often. It's just when a good movie does come out that we really want to see, we spend the extra money to go to see a premium feature of it in a really cool environment. So Yeah. I think you're going to see more of that, and the cost of those come down to try to compete yeah, the, with a lot the of the movie services. theater experience
0: is going to have to change for sure to be able to adapt. It's going to have to be some form of hybrid movie theaters where it's like you can do x amount of things and watch a movie. It's they're going to have to increase revenue in other ways as well, not just selling you know seven dollar M Ms and oh, you know God, eight dollar bottle of water, ten thousand percent markup on exactly. Popcorn. They're going to have to find other creative ways of making money. So it's going to be interesting how that goes. So with that. We will be wrapping up today's episode. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure you're sharing and liking and, you know, showing us some love and have a good time investing with this crazy market that we're in. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's very nuts. Do your homework. Do your math. Uh, you know, and I don't know. Good luck because I, I, I don't know what else you're going to do. <laughs> so with that being said, that's it for today. And we will catch you all next week. Ooh.